bad stuff's out of the way. I was a little nervous there for a second, Ryan. Uh, keep your eye over there for me, Ryan, you and Dwayne. Help <laughs> make make a call. If we pull this off two weeks in a row where it, it, it rains, stops, and then rains again, it will be uh, amazing. So um, it is good to be together. I know we've, we've missed uh, – gathering. I know not everyone's here, uh, but I see people here this week that weren't able to be here last week, and there are some tuned in, so we're glad we can have some sense of being together. We talked last week uh, for the three weeks uh, through May, we're going to look at just the idea of community. We said that um, the community uh, matters. We've hopefully felt some of that by being a part, longing to be connected, that community matters, but it matters in so much as we're called together for a sense of purpose and mission because the church is not just a social club. It's not a sports team. Uh, we're called together to be together, to enjoy one another, to worship for the purpose of mission. And so we've started uh, last week with Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at the, the chapter uh, 12 of Romans for these three weeks, last week, this week, and then next week as we just look at it. Um, Chapter 12 begins with some practical applications after 11 chapters of a lot of theology and a lot of deep meaning. It says, this is how you live. And so we started last week uh, with chapter, with verse 1 and 2. We're going to read verses 3 through 8, Romans chapter 12. It's on your page there. You can follow along with me. Paul says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our service, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is God's word to us, um, his people. Um, the church, one of the images in the New Testament is the body of Christ. This idea of being in, uh, integrated, being one whole. And yet, we come to passages like this, uh, maybe you're familiar with this, or 1 Corinthians 12, the, the image of the body that hasn't been our experience uh, many times in church. Um, we've known wounding, uh, we've known hurt, uh, we've known pain and difficulty. Some view church as strictly a place you come and it's a spectator sport. You know, you sit there and the professional people are up here, pastors and missionary uh, musicians, other speakers, uh, they do their thing and you just kind of come and you're passive and then you kind of leave. Um, others uh, view church uh, as very optional. You know, if you base it on church attendance and all the polls, you know, a regular church member comes to church once a month, maybe twice a month. Um, uh, the, the modern notion of sort of me and me and Jesus or spirituality, I have Jesus. And so uh, the church is very optional. It's very occasional. It can be helpful or not so helpful. But the real thing is about having a personal relationship with Jesus that I can do privately kind of on my own. That's a prominent view. Um, another view maybe in, in other traditions, maybe higher churches, that the church is sort of the grace dispenser. 
you know, you come in and you maybe you do the sacraments or you do something, you sort of check the box and you, you get what you need and then you kind of go back. But that part of your life is sort of compartmentalized uh, from everyday life. It's just the thing you do. Um, it clears the conscience and you move ahead. Um, there are lots of experiences. There are lots of views. And there are actually parts that are right about all of those things I mentioned. There's a part that it's a formal service and you're sitting and there are people up here that, that they're doing what they call are called to do in their roles. And there's a big part that says, yes, it is certainly about a relationship with Jesus. And that is central and vital. Uh, there's a part where we do receive grace in a sense of not our salvation through church, but where we hear the word, where we receive uh, the encouragement from the body, where we receive sacraments, where we're blessed as we confess. And so there are parts of those, but we can't reduce the church to any one of those aspects or a number of other aspects. It can't be reduced to that. It's bigger than that. And to be the people of God on mission, we must understand rightly what Paul's speaking about, what the body of Christ is, what community is. So if community matters, we're going to ask, what does a healthy view of the church look like? What's a healthy view of the church? First thing I want us to see in verse 3 is that it starts within us. To view us, the church, healthy, it starts within each one of us. Look at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, Paul says, I say to everyone among you, not the leaders, not to the people, but to everyone, that you ought not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. He uses the word think multiple times. Think this way, think this way. If you remember verse 2 last week says we are to be renewed in our minds. As we think, we're renewed, and then we're what? We're transformed. We go from one thing to another thing. And here he's saying, for us to be this body, this image, we're going to have to think a certain way. We're going to have to think not too highly of ourselves, but with sober judgment. What does that mean, sober judgment? It means that we are all looking within ourselves, and we, we rightly evaluate our own life. We evaluate our own importance within light of the greater body of Christ. We see things as they truly are, and sometimes we can't do that on our own. So we need other people to help us. But we don't think too highly of ourselves. We also don't think too lowly of ourselves. But we think with sober judgment. It's about character. It's about understanding our gifts and the role they play. It's about humility which would make sense if we are the people that follow a, a suffering sa Savior, one that dies for us, that we would be a people that to do church would be about humility, would be about character, would be about growth from within that comes from without. To be a church plant like we are, we're a mission church, which means we're about doing things and we're on mission. But to be on mission is going to require more of us than we can imagine but that more of us will be, um, Ryan and I had a conversation this week, it'll be less about doing, that we're going to do a lot, and more about being. It's going to begin with a transformation within us as God's Spirit works in us to produce the type of people that collectively are the church. It's about the heart. It's about evaluating our lives, assessing 
Um, if you go to any bookstore today, there aren't a lot of those, I guess. Uh, if you go to Amazon today, um, there is a whole slew of section of self-help, right, of self-esteem. Um, and it's certainly important to have a healthy view of self. Um, but this verse and scripture speaks that the way to actually think well about yourself is not to boost yourself up with self-esteem or self-help techniques, but it's actually to think soberly, to think rightly about ourselves, to evaluate ourselves, actually to come to the end of ourselves. So when we come to the end of ourselves, what do we do? We throw ourselves upon Jesus and his mercy and his grace. If we try to build ourselves up with all these things, uh, we actually miss the point of going down the humility of Jesus that actually empties us to where we receive him, and then we become the people that he is, the people of the resurrection, the people of character, the people of humility. And so to be sober-minded or sober judgment doesn't mean to be perfect people. It doesn't mean for this to work and for us to be a mission church, we've got to get it all together. It actually means we just have to own and acknowledge our own weakness, our own frailness, our own struggles, to start within each of us naming the broken places and to confess them. It's a healthy view, healthy perspective of ourselves. That's where the church begins. It begins with sober judgment within. What else does it look like? It looks like, uh, verse 4 and 5, it looks like unity. It looks like promoting unity among the body. Paul goes on, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We are members of one another. We are connected. It's the language of 1 Corinthians 10, right? Where there are many parts, but there's one body, right? The hand is not the eye, and the foot is not the ear. We serve different roles, but we are one body. Imagine if your, your arm was, you know, bleeding and gushing, and you just said, well, it's not that big a deal. It's just my arm. <laughs> I'm not too concerned about that thing. You know, or, or you had some abdominal pain, uh, and you said, you know, it's just the in internal organs. I'm not too worried about those. It's, it's about the outside. It's about this great-looking body you see here. That's what matters, you know. We don't worry about that stuff, right? No one does that. What do you do? You call Dr. Grimm and, like, I got some issues in my colon here. Something's going on, right? I got, I got something's bleeding, my eye. I, we take care of the body because every part matters. We promote, we promote unity. We value it. We pursue it. We're one together. The problem is we know that. Uh, we just don't really believe that. <laughs> you know, um, we tend to overvalue uh, certain people and certain gifts. Uh, we overvalue people that have visual, uh, that are up front, pastors, musicians. We overvalue people uh, that play significant roles. Um, we overvalue people maybe that, that we think uh, – have, have more uh, stronger gifts or stand out. And so we, uh, uh, we get disproportionate. Um, well, pick on, I don't think anybody's here in this category, but you've been to the gym, right? And you know where I'm going with this. And you see the guy with, like, the massive upper body. You know, he's kind of, like, looking at himself in the mirror, and he's got these little twig legs. You know what I'm talking about? He's just huge. He's got 
what, what do you trap? What do you call these things? You know, he's just everywhere, lats, and his little legs are like this. You're like, oh, dude, they don't. Something's off, you know. Like you're just like, eh, not quite right. That's what we do uh, in the church uh, when we over when it's a, a pastor led church or man Ashton is great as she is. If it's just about Ashton, um, we're, we're disproportionate. Um, we see this in the celebrity pastor culture or the celebrity, you know, the worship teams that people follow. Um, the power uh, of the church is in the body, in the unity of the body. The power is in us. It's in the collective. It's in the whole. This is why we can't just listen online to the preacher or the, the favorite musician, but we have to be together. And when we do that, um, when, when we, you know, we don't pursue unity, we make it, then, then when we don't make unity the thing, we don't come together to encourage and strengthen, but we're divided, we actually lose our witness uh, in the world. Um, I don't know if you've had this experience. I've talked to, talked to a number of Muslims and talked to some atheist friends, and um, somewhere along the conversation ends up like, yeah, but you Christians can't even get along with one another. Like, how many denominations are there? Like, what's the difference between Baptist and Methodist? And you go on and on and on. Like, when you guys can, can work it out, then maybe you'll be credible. And you're like, that's kind of what Jesus said. Right? They would know that we're his disciples by the, the love we have, the, the unity, the, the harmony, the connection. Paul says that we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, which means utilizing the whole body getting the whole body involved and connected. The statistics of church splits uh, are staggering. The breaking off and denominations. Um, we're called to pursue and to be committed to unity. If we're going to be a church in Midtown on mission, we can't be divided. We can't be fragmented. We must be together. We must pursue it. And it's going to be a lot of hard work. Pursue using gifts. Pursue relational connection and harmony, reconciliation. We're connected. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. It's part of the body, Paul says. Uh, it starts within. Healthy view of the church starts within. It also involves pursuing unity. But finally, it, it involves in using all of the gifts. Using all of the gifts. Look at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Right? Imagine you have all these gifts, all these things, and you, you never, under the tree, and you never open them for Christmas. You're like, oh, we got them over there, but I don't, I'm just going to leave them there. Let's go sit there. They're pretty packages. You, you open the gifts, you use the gifts, you get people involved in the life of the church. He makes a list. He mentions uh, gifts we would think of that are outward. Uh, he speaks of teaching, prophecy. It can be confusing. Of uh, Not new revelation, but speaking words of life or encouragement to one another. Exhortation. Speak gifts of leadership. But also gifts of giving, being charitable, of mercy, compassion. And this list is not exhaustive. There's also a list in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. You can read those. If you're not sure, there's there's lists of gifts, and we have them. If you're a believer, everyone has a spiritual gift. And for us to flourish and thrive and to be on mission, we've got to have you using those gifts. 
gifts of administration. Like nobody wants the gifts of administration, right? Like, oh, I'm good with administration. But have you seen churches that like, or organizations that don't have good administrator? Right? It, it didn't work. Like there's some charismatic visionary guy that lasts for like six months and then it falls apart. Right? Because somebody didn't use the gift of administration. We are the body. We must implore all the gifts. But how can we do that? Um, if we're competing with one another, if we're uh, insecure, uh, if we're trying to outdo one another, um, we, won't, uh, we won't value each other. We won't value the different gifts that God has given to us. If we're not sober-minded, we can't appreciate the gifts and say, you know what, I'm not really the best person for that job, but this person is. Would you step in? Would you fill that role? I remember one of the grossest uh, pictures of this was in seminary, my first uh, preaching class. Um, you're in a big group, and then they divide you up, and there's like 10 of you together, 10, 10 guys, and everyone gets a sheet, a grading sheet, and you sit there and listen to 30-minute sermons among your peers, and you, you basically grade their sermon. And it's just like the breeding ground for like competition, I'm better than you, insecurities, you know, and everyone's like trying to outdo the other. And, and by the end, we were all realized we were all terrible preachers at that point, and we just were like in it together. And so then we were like encouraging each other, and people actually got better and could thrive and could like use their gifts. But there was a sense of arrogance and pride. We wouldn't let other people flourish. Um, because we had really overvalued our own gifts or maybe our own insecurity. And that, that's true for us. Some of us overvalue our own gifts. You think, uh, you know, something you have that may be more important than it is. And we do that because we want approval and we want uh, acceptance. And so we use the things we're good at. And they become our idols. They become our place of significance. And we take the gifts God's given and then we misuse them. And we mistreat them. And we don't benefit the body. Others of us, and probably more of you in this place I'm looking at here, we undervalue your own gifts. Some of you don't, like, I don't know, what does it mean, spiritual gifts? I don't know what that is. You don't value it. And so you don't value it. You don't offer it. When you don't offer it, uh, the body suffers. The body suffers. So either we, we misuse it, and it becomes about us, or we don't use it and we neglect the gifts. And either way, the body suffers and Christ's glory is robbed. God is robbed of his glory because we're either passive or we're prideful. And we don't use the gifts that we have been given to bless the body. The text says uh, we're to use the gifts rightly. If prophecy in proportion to faith, if service in our serving, if teaching and our teaching, if exhortation, our exhortation, he basically goes on and basically says, use the gift the way it was meant to be used. If you have it, you gift of teaching, use it in the right context. Don't use it for flattery. Don't use it to build yourself up. Don't withhold it from those, but use it rightly so that each of you are strengthened to build up. If you have the gift of mercy, use it so the body is strengthened. If you have the gift of compassion, use it so the body is strengthened. Not to show off, not out of obligation, not out of compulsion, but to honor the Lord. Um, have you seen a church that's using the gifts well? What happens? 
like ministries just flourish, right? Like um, one thing Ryan and I lack is creativity, in case you didn't know. Um, and so we probably over get opinions because like we need people that are creative, that are thoughtful to give input, to spur on ministries. And many of you have done that even during this period. We've had great ideas. We've been able to bless people and do things because we've got ideas from you when we use the body, the body becomes creative and it flourishes. Application as we finish, uh, I want to challenge you, everyone here, to use their spiritual gifts. Um, we're new, we're, we're, we're small, so we're just figuring this out. So that means everybody, uh, we need everyone. Everyone matters. Uh, the children matter. Uh, every person has something to offer if we're to be the people on mission, right? If we're to be a social club, maybe not. We'll just hang out. But if we're to be on mission and to serve the community, we've got to have everyone's gifts involved to serve. Some of you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. And so my encouragement is to, to try it out. Try things out. Serve. Volunteer. Be involved. How can I help? What can I do? They're not just going to be on Sundays throughout the week as things open up. Try things, work in various areas and say, you know what, I really enjoyed that. Or, you know what, the, the Lord seemed to bless that. Maybe I have a gift for that. And let's see if it flourishes. You may not know still, so ask. Ask a pastor. Ask someone that knows you well. What do you think I'm good at? What, what does the Lord seem to use? Where does he use me? Because if you're not doing that, then the body is hurting and the honor of Christ is robbed, is stolen. Um. It's a sad thing when, the, when the, the body of Christ is underutilizing its gift. You know the whole 80-20 rule? It's fairly true in churches. You know, 20% of people do 80% of the work, you know. And so you, you wear out the 20%, right, and the other 80 are kind of spectators, and these people are exhausted, you know. It's, uh, the body is, is dysfunctional. And it won't last, and it's not healthy. Um, I've been watching that uh, – uh, the Last Dance. Anybody's been watching that, the Michael Jordan thing? Gosh, that's really good. And, uh, I mean, Michael Jordan was a phenomenal mind. I mean, he's so competitive. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of downside to Jordan. So, uh, But there's a, this his mind is so sharp, but his body was incredible, the things he could do. We're renewed in the mind, and in the body, every part was working as he was on the floor, right? He was thinking, he was commanding, but his body was doing what it was supposed to do, and he flourished. He thrived. He won six championships, right? When the body, when we are thinking well, rightly about who we are, we're, we're doing an internal evaluation. Okay, where is our heart? Am I thinking too highly of myself? Am I not sober-minded? Where is there discord with one another? Am I pursuing it? Am I working to promote unity and valuing everyone's gifts, just not certain ones? And then am I offering myself? my own gifts, so the body functions. Then the church flourishes. I don't know about championships in the church world, but the church is healthy. And when it's healthy, it grows both inwardly and in our character. We're changed. And then we're an impact in the city. We have mission. We have vision. Finish with this. Unless you're discouraged, it says, uh, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. If you're overwhelmed, it's grace. 
We have gifts. We use gifts because we have grace. We have the Spirit of God empowers us to live out and to be the people God has called us to be. Let's trust Him now as we pray to do that. Jesus, we thank You that Your Spirit offers us life. It offers us to be all that we can be, all that we're called to be in Jesus. May we live in such a way as to bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, we have many gifts. We have many people here with so many gifts, with administrative gifts, gifts of mercy, gifts of giving, gifts of service, gifts of speaking and teaching, exhortation and discernment, and all kinds of gifts. Lord, may we use those. Pray you prompt each of us to ask the question, where can we serve? Where can we give ourselves? Bless the body. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.